morning and happy Sabbath, church family. We're so happy to have you all here with us on our first official day of reopening God's house. Amen. I know a lot of people have been waiting for this day, and it is finally here. And so for those of you who are here present with us, worshiping with us today, and for those of you who are watching uh, via our streaming service, we want to wish you a happy Sabbath from D-O-Z, where loveliness keeps house under the direction of Pastor Leonard Newton. So for those of you who are watching uh, online, we ask that um, when, you, uh, when you watch our services via Facebook or YouTube or even through the church website, please like us, please share us, but most of all, subscribe. Uh, we also want you uh, to be able to have access to all of the programs that we provide via our streaming service. So in order to do that, you have to be able to receive text messages through our church messaging system. And the church messaging system, in order to receive messages from the church, you have to text the words ADD, text the word ADD to the phone number 561-468-3873. Again, you have to text the word ADD, ADD, to 561 468 3873. And it's very important that you subscribe to that text messaging service because after tomorrow, after the 31st, the old text messaging system that the church has been using, we're going to stop using it. We're going to move away from that. And we're now only going to be using the, the new text messaging service, which will send messages directly to your phone. So if you want to watch a program and you receive a text link from the church, you can just, when you receive that text message on your phone, you can just click on the link and it will open up the service for you to view. So we encourage you to go to the new text messaging system because the old one we're going to move away from. So please uh, subscribe to our text messaging service by texting the word ADD to 561 468 3873. Also, we have some house rules. If you want to come to join us in person, we are limiting uh, the number of participants live to 50. So we, we're, we're just, we're testing the waters right now. So we're not going to go beyond 50 participants live who will come and view the program. And so if you want to come and worship in person, you must subscribe to the text messaging service because you have to register to come here in person. So the first 50 people who register and who are accepted can come through the doors of the church. And so you can go to our church website at dozsda.com and you can fill out a registration form there. Or if you subscribe to our text messaging system, the church will send you the form on your, on your phone where you can fill it out on your phone and register that way. Now we do have a few houses House rules when you do come um, you have to go through the screening process get your temperature checked and you have to meet uh, speak with uh, our screening crew and um, when you come in you must wear your mask at all times when you come into the church building you must have your mask on at all times unless you are coming to the microphone to sing or unless you are the speaker you must have your mask on at all times um, also 
We want to remind those of you, if anyone wants to get tested for COVID-19, uh, the county is offering free testing services at the Lantana Health Department. So you can go there Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., and the address is 1250 South Winds Drive in Lantana, Florida. Again, that address is 1250 South Winds Drive in Lantana, Florida. You can go there. It's free between the hours of 9 a.m. 1 p.m. to get a free COVID-19 test or free uh, COVID-19 screening. Today, we have a very special day for you. It's being uh, sponsored by our Ambassadors program, uh, headed by Sister Sonia Woodard. They prepared a, a wonderful program for you this weekend, and we have a very special guest speaker in the name of Dr. Ray Gray, very powerful brother. He shared some information with us about six weeks ago uh, online through our, our Ambassadors program, but he also, uh, for those of you who did not get a chance to see last night's service, you missed a treat. He, he provided some very helpful information So uh, and for everyone, not just young people. And so he's going to be speaking to us today, and he will also have a breakout session this afternoon at 3.30 p.m., and he will be joining us also tomorrow for anyone who wants to, to meet with him in, in person and have any uh, personal counseling services. So, okay, scrap, scrap that, scrap that. We just have the breakout session this afternoon at 3.30 p.m. So um, for those of you who want to be part of that and participate, you can come down this afternoon and be part of the program. We have a couple of other announcements. Uh, first and foremost, we want to, uh, uh, if, for those of you who uh, would like to see, uh, if, if you want to, uh, Sister Sylvia Fulmore, one of our dear sisters, she was our cradle roll Sabbath school teacher for a number of years. She passed away and her funeral service will be tomorrow. If, the, if, the, if our technology crew, if they can post that information very briefly, the viewing service will be held um, this evening from 6 to 8 p.m. And the viewing service will be at Deerfield Beach SDA Church this evening from 6 to 8 p.m. And the address of the church is 350 Northwest First Terrace, Deerfield Beach, Florida. Again, the address of the church is 350 Northwest First Terrace, Deerfield Beach, Florida. The, the viewing will be from 6 to 8 p.m. There is no limit on the number of people that can come in. However, you are required to wear a mask. And the funeral services will be at the same church tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. And again, there's no limit on the number of people that can attend the service, but you will be required to wear a mask. And so um, as we offer our condolences to the family, uh, we ask that you would also share your condolences with them uh, because the family is very close. They were instrumental in, in helping build this edifice that we're standing in today. And of course, Sister Fulmore was very near and dear to all of our young people. Um, at this time, we have a, a special announcement from uh, Sister Cornish, who is the head of our health department. If uh, technology is ready to uh, cue that up, we have a special announcement from the leader of our health department, uh, Sister Pauline Cornish. Okay, they're not ready for that. So uh, what we want to do is we want to uh, acknowledge those who have birthdays in the month of October. Amen? 
Does anybody here have a birthday this month, the month of October? It's only going to last one more day. <laughs> so, so we want to recognize you right now. Uh, yeah, we see two people. All right, we got a person over here with the praise team. Happy birthday, my brother. Um, does technology, do you have a list of names of those who uh, have month, uh, birthdays this month in the month of October? We want to wish you all uh, a, a happy birthday as we love you all dearly, um, whether you're a family member or visiting. If you're visiting, you're still family because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a time in our program where we come and we call this one here intercessory prayers, an opportunity where we can petition the Lord corporately in prayer in regards to our, our situation, our plight, our circumstances, our difficulties, or whatever challenges we are facing, even our triumphs, we can offer prayers of thanksgiving uh, for how he has blessed us. So this is an opportunity for those who are witnessing at home, for those who are worshiping here in, in, in the church building, um, to lift their hearts in prayer and petition the Lord corporately. The God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you have given us to worship you in prayer. And just like the Greeks said that they wanted to see Jesus, we want to see Jesus. Uh, we want to have a closer experience and a closer walk with you. We want to, uh, as John described, uh, that you're walking among the candlesticks, you know. We want to hear the tussle of your robes as it pass up and down the aisles and, and visit us in, in, our, in, our, in our homes or on our sick beds or a bed of affliction, whether in a hospital. We just want to know that you're near us, that you're with us. We will want to experience you to make this walk, this journey uh, uh, doable and endurable. And so, Lord, uh, reveal yourself to us as you have done so, so many times before. We know, Lord, that you're with us. You said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And we have this hope. We have this guidance. We have this promise. But, Lord, in, in revealing yourself to us and, and visiting us in our situation and in our plights, Lord, we would like to be a representative of your kingdom to others. We want others to know that there's a God that sits high and look low. There's a God that will hear your troubles, your moanings, and your prayers, and your cries. There's a God that we serve, Lord, uh, that we serve, um, that promised that, say, where he is, that we will be also, that he has gone to prepare a place. But most importantly, that promise was that you will come again in like manner. And we want to spread this message of hope. This message of encouragement to those who are dying Christless grave, those who are giving up hope and, and find themselves in a state of depression, a, a, a state of denial, or, or find themselves suicidal, going through some mental um, turmoil and, 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 and affliction. Lord, if they have this hope that we have and, and that burns within, within us, that gives us guidance um, throughout the day, that um, steers our path, Lord, we want to be uh, objects of your affection to others and let them know that you still love them. So, Lord, bless us as a people as we corporately worship here today, but individually as we go into our neighborhoods, into our places of work, into the marketplace, that we'll be representative of your kingdom. Forgive us for any time and opportunity that we fail to do so. Lord, I, I am reminded, Lord, of the the loss of a dear loved ones, one sister Sylvia Fulmore, who was once among us worshiping here in this, very, in this very edifice that's no longer with us. The church family has lost a jewel, 
her present will be sorely missed we know the family is grieving Lord and we grieve with them Lord you say blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted and we know that when you left you said you would send another comforter please Lord bless them heal their hearts and their mind oh Lord allow them to be comforted in the fact that Lord for those who died in Christ so one day rise again so as we go through this hour of bereavement and as we go through this mental turmoil and wrestling with the loss and what she meant to us Lord please comfort the minds and the heart of those who knew her and loved her best there are many others who have lost their lives along the way and there are other families who are grieving so bless them as well but those who are still among us who are sick those who are still suffering from the ravages of, uh, of disease and, and, and illnesses from cancer to diabetes and to high blood pressure, Lord, let them find healing in you. From Sister Gerdman to Elder Farrell to Sister Watkins um, and others who I can't call a mention, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will visit them in their hour of need. Let them know, Lord, that you still a God that can heal, that you still a God that restores, that you still a God that answer prayers. And so we pray, Lord, not, not knowing that this prayer is not falling on deaf ears, that you're listening to the cry and the petition of your people. You tell us that you will give us the desire of our hearts. Let not the enemy be glorified in this, Lord but let you be triumphantly celebrated in the victory that shall be wrought. I pray, Lord, for our pastors, um, Pastor Leonard Newton, Lord, that shepherd our flock, that you will bless him and his family and that you will surround him uh, with a band of angels to protect him because we know that the devil has sought many times and occasion to thwart his ministry and to take him out. Please, Lord, be with him and bless him. And bless our, our speaker for the hour, Elder Raymond Gray, who should present us a word from on high that will draw us into a closer walk and experience with you that will point us to conditions of our mental health and sanity and how that can be rectified and corrected in you. Please, Lord, bless him in a very special way as he deliver a timely message. Because as we look around, we see the world is in turmoil. Many people, oh Lord, are turning to devices such as drug and alcohol, and many have making the ultimate decision to end their life to suicide. Please, Lord, let them know that there is always an answer in you. If only we will seek you. So, Lord, if anything, if I fail in asking, we ask you to fail not in granting. Bless us as we continue our worship experience with you on your Sabbath day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Good morning. I come before you to welcome our guest speaker, Brother Raymond Gray. Ray has on his website a very poignant, uh, helping you to create connections between brain, body, and behavior. Success never comes to those who quit, and our goal is to help you reach yours. Get it, fit it, get out with a life and he came to us all the way from Charlotte North Carolina we're so glad to have him here 
and the words that he is going to bring, I'm not even going to try to mention all of his accolades or all the things that he's done to help people uh, in the mental health. I'm going to let him do that. Uh, so now, Raymond Gray. Good morning, good morning, and happy Sabbath, everyone. Good morning and happy Sabbath. All right, the first time back in church. You guys should be excited to be in the house of the Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you, praise team, for the reminder. And uh, that's a sermon in itself. Amen, amen. So again, my name is Ray Gray. I am from New York, but currently residing in Charlotte, North Carolina. I attend Northeast Seventh-day Adventist Church. Pastor Evan Willis is my pastor, and um, I'm just blessed to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to be sharing with you guys some information that many of us already know, but we really haven't broken it down or really taken the time to really think about how important and the effects of what we're going to talk about today. I'm not here to preach. I'm not a preacher. But I am a teacher, so we're going to learn. Just consider this a big Sabbath school class. We were going to have a dialogue. We're going to communicate with each other. We're going to learn, and we're going to take this information and move forth, not just keeping it with ourselves, but sharing it with those that we come in contact with. And the title of today's teaching lesson is Guarding the Avenues to the Soul. Guarding the Avenues to the Soul. So again, um, we talked about it last night. I am a qualified mental health professional. I've been in the game for 35 uh, years. Um, 16 years currently at my current position at Monarch. Um, I'm a subsidiary of the ARC of North Carolina. There are three branches to the ARC of North Carolina where I work. There's a mental health, the substance abuse, and then there's the DD side, developmental side. And I'm on the mental health side, and my leg of the branch is mental health. Um, I'm a graduate of Oakwood. Amen. Um, I went to Howard University, graduate um, with occupational therapy degree from Howard, and I also attended Florida A&M University. Got to give Florida a shout out since I'm here. So, yes, yes, Tallahassee now. Um, so, with all that information that I've learned throughout the years, my experience is not just one of learned experience, it's lived experience. So with me going forth and talking about mental health, abuse, neglect, and the effects of so many different things in our lives, not only did I study it, I lived it. And it shaped me to be the individual that I am today. And it helped me to move forward and work in the field that I'm in. Because I am not your typical therapist where the kids would come to my office and we'll sit down and we'll talk for 45 minutes. I'm what we call an intensive in-home therapist. So I see these kids in the home, the school, and the community. Because statistically, the rates of progress and success are far greater when you subject yourself into going into someone else's home where they are comfortable and you're making yourself subject to them. So that is what I do. My sessions are not 45 minutes an hour. My sessions are a minimum of two hours. The nature of it is called intensive. So I get the kids who are 
going to group home or coming back from group home. I get those who are going to jail or coming back from jail. Or I get the ones who are going to hospitalization, not just for medical reasons, we're talking about for psychiatric rehab treatment, or those coming back. So the nature of the service is called intensive. So the things that I see on an everyday basis would not be something that you would want to subject yourself to. So much so that before I took the job where I was, I need to get familiar. I need to know what I'm getting myself involved in. So I, for one week, volunteered at Monarch. After some time being there, the person who showed me around to give me the job, to tell me about what I was getting into, she had a mental health breakdown. She was 26 years old with a four-year-old child, and the things that she was dealing with and the things that she was subjecting herself with were so intense that she broke down, and I had to end up taking care of her and being there for her and her child. She eventually never recovered, and she had to leave that field because of the things that we are subjecting ourselves to on an everyday basis. So here's how God is good. Because of my background and my upbringing, those things that I now face and work with, I dealt with from way back when. So when you're going through some trials and tribulations and some hard times, and you're wondering why me, don't always complain. It could be God preparing you for a greater work. And that's exactly what he did with me, and I would not have it any other way. I would not want to be in any other field but what I'm in. I didn't choose the, this career. The career chose me, literally. So now, fast forward several years, I have ADHD. Didn't know I had ADHD. My mom was a nurse, and um, we had a live-in mental patient, health patient that we had to take care of. We don't use the word retarded anymore, but she was intellectually challenged. So growing up was really, really challenging for me for many reasons, and I'm not going to go into the history of my childhood, so to speak, but I will go into the important parts that shaped me to being the person that I am today. So I was an angry kid, an angry child. My dad was present, but he wasn't a presence. So I can see him, but I couldn't feel him. Never taught me how to throw a ball, never taught me about life, never taught me about how to be a man, never taught me about girls, none of that stuff. My, the women in my life had to teach me those things, and the streets taught me. So I learned lessons the hard way. The things my dad taught me were not all negative. It was not all horrible. He taught me some very valuable lessons, and it helped to shape me. But I learned more from what he did and did the opposite of what he did, and that's how I learned. So I learned essentially in reverse. Everything that he did, I hated so much and it hurt so much that I purposed in my heart to not do those things. Not literally, again, I don't want to make him seem like he's a demon or whatever, but there was the majority of my teaching learning experience was from doing opposite of what dad did. So just, just, just imagine that in an environment where I, my mom is a nurse and I have ADHD and I'm an angry kid in the streets of New York and I'm going back and forth trying to figure myself out. And then with the problems that I'm having, I have the hyperactive and the inattentive, so where I'm what we call the combined type. So it's already a struggle when one or the other, I had both. Didn't know, never diagnosed. My mom's a nurse, so you would think that she was helping me through that, right? 
Absolutely not. It wasn't until I was in Howard, even all throughout my years of Oakwood, I didn't know. So I was told I was a bad kid, so that's what I did. I did bad things because you're going to tell me who I am. So that's what I was. I was bad. So I've purposed in my heart never to use that, that word in my vocabulary when dealing with my own kids or any one of the kids that I deal with. And now, ironically, I'm with what people would call bad kids. And adults, you have to be very careful on how you use that word, because while we may be intending on talking about the behavior, children can't decipher behavior from being. So while you're saying you're doing bad things, you're just saying bad, they're thinking you're calling them bad, and they are a bad person. So they receive that a different way than your intent is in giving it. Does that make sense? So we have to be extremely careful and intentional on the things that we're saying and our delivery. This is what brings us to godly avenues of our soul for today. So again, we're not preaching here. I'm not a preacher. We're teaching. We're learning together. Does anyone know what the avenues to the soul are? Yes. Your senses. Your five senses. Absolutely. Very good. Okay. Your five senses. Vision, hearing, smell, touch, taste, all should guard the senses lest Satan gain victory over them, for these are the avenues to the soul. So the five senses are the avenues to the soul. So let's talk about the first one, or the first um, marker here. Satan cannot enter the mind without our consent. Close every avenue to the tempter. Avoid reading, seeing, or hearing evil. Impure thoughts lead to impure actions. So lawlessness reap a harvest of crime. Evil sights and sounds all about us. And all need a bulwark against temptation, which is Jesus. So let's go back to the first one. Because it's very important. Reason why? Many of us don't believe that. It says Satan cannot enter the mind without our consent. That means you have to give Satan permission to enter into your spirit, into your space. Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that? You, you hear it, you've read it, but do you actually believe that? That you literally have to give Satan permission. You have to say, hey, I invite you, I welcome you into my space, and that is the only way that you can be tempted. Do you believe it? You don't sound like it. You don't act like it. This is absolutely true. It is absolutely true. Satan cannot read your mind, but he is a master behavior interpreter. So he interprets and he can read your behavior and your pattern. And based on your patterns, that is how he can determine your strengths, your weaknesses, what to tempt you with and what not to tempt you with. It is absolutely true. He cannot read your mind. You must be very careful on what you give and allow him to see into your space. Matthew 6, 22, 23. Let's read it together. The first, verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. And I want to hear you guys. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Verse 23, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Psalms 10, uh, 101 verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. 
and Genesis 3 6 and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat what are we talking about guys we're talking about vision the first sense vision is the most dangerous of the senses because with that it could literally lead you to downfall to so many of the other ones by beholding we are become changed and as we meditate upon the perfections of the divine model we shall desire to become wholly transformed and renewed in the image of his purity it is by faith in the son of god that transformation takes place in the character and the child of wrath becomes the child of god so vision we talked about vision and how important vision is the first bullet here says violence on television affects children negatively according to psychological research what is the most dangerous genre um, of movies or shows or tv that's out there horror i hear horror anyone else the most dangerous genre that affects us the most and has the strongest impact on us in terms of subtle subliminal messages that it sends to us anyone else someone said horror anyone have a guess romance anyone else action good guesses crime great stuff anyone else comedy not comedy anyone else remember we talked about subtle 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 that's a hint what is it Suspense. cartoons Car did you hear what I just said cartoons why is cartoons the most dangerous subliminal subtle delivery of violence she says a lot of the themes and the adult things are put into cartoons and they descent make us desensitize she's absolutely right you have a point feed it into children start at a young age all you guys are correct so here's what's so dangerous and here's what's so important at the same time cartoon the number one most influential delivery of crime violence of all genres it is so dangerous that it affects us more than even active violence of, 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 of acts that we see in person. So if you see mommy and daddy fighting, you automatically know that that's wrong. And you automatically have a feeling like, oh, something is not right there. Even if you wasn't raised to believe that, it's just something innate, something in us that that just not, that don't look right, that don't feel right. But guess what? When they do it in cartoons, they laugh about it. They make jokes about it. It happens and people come back to life or no real serious injury. They really don't really show that much blood and gore. So it's desensitizing us and it's a subtle subliminal message that's getting poured into us. Cartoons, the most dangerous visual stimulating negative promoter of violence is cartoon. We're going to talk some facts, guys. The three major effects of seeing violence on television. Children may become less sensitive to the pain and suffering of others. 
Number two, children may be more fearful of the world around them. Children may be, may be more likely to behave in aggressive ways. Here's a fact. The average American child will have watched 100,000 acts of television violence, including 8,000 depictions of murder by the time he or she finishes sixth grade. Facts. Children's television show contains about 20 violent acts each hour. Cartoon. Think about it. And now our old folks are like, yep, those things that these kids are watching these days, no. We're talking about ever. Remember Popeye? Yes, my new age kids don't know about Popeye. We're talking old school. Think about Popeye and olive oil and Brutus and all the times that they ran into which every 45 seconds to a minute they were fighting. Think of the subtleties. Let's go back to Tom and Jerry. The chase, the catch, the, the, the things that are running into things and the, all of the cartoons, guys. Subtle, subliminal messages, right? Roadrunner. Every few seconds, the homeboy falling off the cliff. And he coming right back for more. Like, dude, you don't give up. Like, you don't get it. You're never going to catch him. Coyote got to eat, right? Subtle, y'all. It's not something that's really overt and right in your face so that you can see, oh, nope, that's wrong. It's the subtle messages that they're sending. Children who watch violent shows were more likely to strike out at playmates, argue, disobey authorities, and were less willing to wait for things than those children who watch nonviolent programs. Facts. Houseman's research states that young girls, we talk about the sisters now, who often watch shows featuring aggressive heroines in the 1970s. So now my old folks can't say, oh, this generation is horrible. Let's go back to your time, guys. All right, let's bring it back. We, we, we covering all bases today. We're not picking on nobody today. So the heroines in the 70s have grown up to be more aggressive adults, involved in more confrontations, shoving matches, choking, and knife fights than women who had watched few or none of these shows. You ever heard the saying, or back in the days, we were known to hear things like, a sister will cut you? You see what I'm saying? Like, dudes will fight, but when girls go at it, I don't know if y'all remember, but I, I'm a 70s baby. See, you know what I'm talking about, right? A sister will cut you. In New York, in the 1990s, women would walk around the streets with razor blades under their tongue. Facts, right? They would search you, they would wand you, can't find nothing. Dudes, idiots, we got guns in our groin. They, got, they caught us. We had knives in our shoes. I'm, I'm talking about, I, was, I, I, I lived in Hempstead, but I went to school in Queens. So I was part of the game. I had to fight to live and to survive. Y'all fight for fun, idiots. Try getting up and going to school every day, a place you don't want to be and you got to fight anyway. And not one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody don't want to test me one-on-one. -on -one. I'm talking about getting jumped every single day. My mom had to put me in a private school. And it was, I was safe when I went to school, Greater New York Academy, shout out. But getting there was a the problem. Then you got Decepticons, Autobots. I'm not talking about cartoons. I'm talking about gangs. Yes. It was real. Kill or be killed. I left New York at 17. Went to Oakwood. I wasn't trying to kill nobody. No, I wasn't trying to get killed. All of the, so many stories I don't tell my parents. 
because they did the best that they could. So why? But y'all out here, y'all fighting for fun? Y'all want to jump people? Dude, like for real? What are we doing here? So it's already a struggle for us as young people and for the young people who are going through what they're going through now, but y'all don't really know the half. Because what happens is we see these young people who we call misfits and problem child and, and, and all these other labels we want to put on them, but when was the last time you stopped to ask them their story? When was the last time you had a conversation with them? I was a teacher in the Washington, D.C. schools, private and public school system. I couldn't teach my class because my kid was just raped. My kids were just beat. They didn't have no food. And they wilding out in class, and I'm going to punish you and send you to the principal's office or put you in timeout when you just got abused, and I'm going to abuse you again, and I'm supposed to be your teacher, the person that you trust, and you come into school to be safe, and I'm going to subject you to that mess? One day my principal walks by and I'm up there empowering and encouraging him and I made everybody stand up and affirm themselves. I will be something. I will be positive. I will not be victim too. And we affirmed each other every single morning. She walks in the class and pulls me out. I'm like, surely I lost my job because I was doing what I wanted someone to do to me. Game, recognized game. I knew what was going on because I talked to my kids. She was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm teaching. That's not the lesson. I know, I get it. But how can I sit here and ask these kids to be still and learn when they have some issues that's preventing the learning from getting into them and they just need something or someone? After I explained it to her and showed her what I was doing, she made me turn that into a program and it, it was called Boys to Men where every single day throughout my planning period, I gave up my time where I rallied around the young men and helped to empower them. That program took off and was a huge success. All it took was talking to somebody. When you see the knuckleheads, y'all call knuckleheads running around the church, just pull them to the side, go into one of the Sabbath school rooms and have a little conversation. You'd be surprised at what's going on and some of the things that these kids want to share. If you just give them a time and a platform, stop judging based on what you think you see because you don't know the story. Because I was one of those dudes. Now imagine if my story was what everybody else labeled me as. So in the early 70s, okay, we're going back to y'all old folks who claim that it's all about these crazy generation. Researchers from the University of British Columbia compared the levels of aggression in the first and second graders from two Canadian towns, one with access to TV and one dude mountain range had no access to TV. When the mountain town finally received television, the hitting, biting, and shoving levels of the children increased 160%. Just from television alone. University of Michigan psychologists embarked on a landmark study of over 800 eight-year-olds. They found that children who watched many hours of violent television tended to be more aggressive in the playground and classroom. They checked back with these kids 11 and 22 years later. They found that the aggressive eight-year-olds grew up to become more aggressive 19 and 30-year-olds with greater troubles including domestic violence and more traffic tickets than their less aggressive counterparts who did not watch as much television. They found that watching violence on TV is the singular fact most closely associated with aggressive behavior. Watch this. 
more than poverty, race, and what? Parental behavior. We just talked about when children see the adults and what they're doing, how that is one way that we are teaching lessons and that they learn, but more than learning through their parents and behaviors that they see are television and specifically cartoons. Oh, that the young would reflect upon the influence which exciting stories have upon the mind. Can you, after such reading upon open uh, the word of God and read the word of life with interest? Do you not find the book of God interesting, uninteresting? The charm of that love story is upon the mind, destroying its healthy tone and making it impossible for you to fix your mind upon the important solemn truths which concern your eternal interests. Children, I have a message for you. You are now deciding your future destiny and your character building is of that kind which will exclude you from the paradise of God. Adventist Homes. Ecclesiastes 1.9, all things are full of labor, man cannot utter it, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. So we are now on to hearing as the sense that we must guard. The introduction of music into their homes instead of inciting to holiness and spirituality has been the means of diverting their minds from the truth. Frivolous songs and the popular sheet music of the day seem congenial to their taste. The instruments of music have taken time which should have been devoted to prayer. Music, when not abused, is a great blessing, but when put to a wrong use, it is a terrible curse. It excites, but does not impart that strength and courage which the Christian can find only at the throne of grace, while humbly making known his wants and with strong cries and tears, pleading for heavenly strength to be fortified against the powerful temptations of the evil one. Satan is leading the young captive. Oh, what can I say to lead them to break his power of infatuation? He is a skillful charmer luring them on to perdition. What was Satan's gift in heaven? What was it? When he got kicked out of heaven, was his gift taken away from him? So he came here with what? The gift of music. He is using the music, guys, to lure us, not just our children, all of us. I do music presentations as well. I don't know if you knew that in all the major label executive companies, they have an incantation room. Y'all know what an incantation room is? It's where they take the CD of the artist after it's made, put it on the floor on a pentagram, and pray spirits into it. So when you buy those CDs and you listen to the artist, the spirit jumps from the CDs and from the music into the homes and into the individuals. Facts. You can Google it. Now it's hidden in plain sight. Before they used to try to hide this stuff, now they're open about it. All you got to do is do a little bit of research and you will find it to be true. They literally pray demonic spirits into it. Homeboy D'Angelo, one of the, my favorite artists back in the days. Some crazy stuff. I'm not even going to go into that, but just read it. Music is very, very serious. And hearing, receiving all of that information, absolutely, absolutely powerful and dangerous. But can be good if used the right way.
A recent study concerned with adolescents' taste for, mu for music found that teens who listen to music with explicitly sexual lyrics have sex earlier and their, than their counterparts who prefer demure rhythms and tones. It does not matter the music genre teenagers listen to. It may be dance, hip-hop, rap, rock, pop. All that matters is the message comprised in the song's lyrics. Researchers found that the lyrics influence teenagers' sexual behavior and enhance their desire for starting their sexual lives as soon as possible. These are absolute true statements. Nothing that's shocking, but the more you stop and give pause and pay attention to some of the stuff that you're listening to, it's really concerning. So I often challenge my young people of the church, tell me an, a, a popular artist that you listen to that's actually positive. And it's hard because positivity is not promoted anymore. And the positive artists don't get airplay, so they end up leaving or turning. Music Soul Child, homeboy went to rap, career went down. Nothing since he made that transition. Anybody have a, a positive artist that you listen to? Who you, who's on your playlist? Who you listen to? The most positive of the people that you listen to. Sandy Patty. She don't even exist. <laughs> Who you got? If you struggling, there's a problem. Who you listen to? Who's on your playlist? Don't put your head down. I'm talking to you. <laughs> who's on your playlist? You got to, you, you, Jonathan McReynolds, good job. Do you listen to him all throughout the week? Is he the number one go-to when you just need some get up and you just need something different? Is Jonathan who you go to? Who is one of the secular artists on your playlist? Ella May? Okay. All right. Would you sing one of her songs around Jesus? <laughs> so, so listen, not all secular music is bad, but not all gospel is good. Let's not get it twisted. So I'm not here saying that you can't find secular positive artists. That's not what I'm here saying. Nor will I ever say that all gospel music and Christian music is what you should be pumping all throughout the week. No, that's not true. You guys know the guy, Lord Make Me Over? What's his name? Tone. Y'all know Tone changed his name and his whole identity, right? He changed his name to B. Slade. B. Slade. Now he's a rapper. And he's a pastor of a gay church. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your boy, Tony. But don't just get it. Don't get it twisted, y'all. Let's not be fooled and believing, oh, the world is crazy. How about there's such thing called Seventh Gay Adventist? I didn't say Seventh Day. Seventh Gay Adventist. Oh, yeah. Seventh Gay Adventist. Yep. So there are a bunch of believers who are Sabbath keepers that are trying to use and even the logo of the Seventh-day Adventist church. And we have been in mitigation and fighting for the right to keep it because it sends the wrong message. Um, primarily out of California. Yep, yep. So again, going back to hearing and music, 
you also have to be very careful because, again, not all gospel and Christian music is the most positive. All right? So teens who spend more time watching the sex and violence depicted in the real life of gangster rap music videos are more likely to practice its behaviors in real life, suggests one of the first studies of specifically explore how rap videos influence emotional and physical health. We talk about mental health now. This whole entire weekend, we've been talking about mental health. And last night, we talked about adolescent COVID, kill COVID killers and the 10 most things that not adults but children have identified as plaguing. Does anyone remember what the number one complaint or issue amongst young people, adolescents are? Number one. Not motivation, that was, that was close. People don't understand, I was on the list, but that wasn't the number one. Depression. Can you imagine that children nowadays between the ages of 12 and 20 have identified depression as the number one issue. Remember when depression was an old people problem? When kids would play frivolously, be out on the street till the street lights came on, and you can just go leave your doors open and you know, children were just carefree? Now depression is the number one issue plaguing our young people. How the tables have turned. After studying 522 black girls between the ages of 14 and 18 from non-urban, lower socioeconomic neighborhoods, researchers found that compared to those who never or really watched these videos, the girls who viewed these gangster videos for at least 14 hours per week were far more likely to practice numerous destructive behaviors. Over the course of one year, three times more likely to hit a teacher. Over two point times more likely to get arrested, twice as likely to have multiple sexual partners, 1.5 times more likely to get into sexual transmitted disease, use drugs, or drink. Guys, remember the days when we used to worry about these boys going after these girls, these innocent girls, and, and trying to lure them? Remember those days? You know those days are gone, right? Yeah, we're going to be honest, right? You know it's the girls now who are the aggressive ones. Did y'all know this? What is the new name that they have for these sisters out here that are aggressive? Two T words. Thoughts, thoughts, and what's the other one? Huh? They call them thoughts, and the other one thirsty. They're really, really, really aggressive. Those are the ones that will literally put themselves out there and make their intentions known. Some have now gone into the place where they are proposing to, to, to their men, friends, their guys, instead of the guys proposing to girls. Yeah, we're, we're now in that generation where there's a flip. Back in your days, who did hear the most? People's, who did hear? Women's hair. Males or females? Who's the number one hair designer, dresser? Man. You know his name? Paul Mitchell. Who used to sew dresses and make clothes back in the days? The women. Who's the number one designer? A man. Chefs. What about cooking? Surely the women still got that on lock. No. Number one chef or, or cooks nowadays, not just one, overwhelmingly men. 
So now we're not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong, but what we're seeing is a major shift. And what we used to call roles, you can't even say that anymore. What is your role? People get offended. Role reversal where what, and, you know, now women are starting to be on top of the business chain and moving up in the ladder in terms of taking over companies and such. So we're, we're, we're talking about different shifts taking place. You have to be real careful when we talk about different things like that because we get sensitive. You know, we, we get emotional and we, we talk about women's lib. I have no problems with that, none whatsoever. But just be, just be careful of how much focus and emphasis we're putting and paying attention to those things. All right? So here we go. Smell and taste. We talk about the senses and guarding the avenues to the soul. All of these things affect one's health physically, but mental health is also a major component, especially during these times of COVID, that I have been overbooked and called to speak on and to present and to deal with. So we're going to talk about some health messages too, because the food you eat affects mental health. Did you guys know that? I mean, I, I, I know you heard it, but I don't know if y'all believe it. Psalms 42, 1 and 2, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? Proverbs 23, 1 to 3. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Genesis 129 and 30, and God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the, all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. Um, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit therefore and did eat and gave also unto her husband and he did eat. So you notice it said that when she saw the fruit, it was desirable to the eye, despite the fact that God told her that of all the garden, that's the one place to stay away from. Do you also see the parallel that when we stress and when we tell our children not to do something, the thing we tell them not to do is the one thing that they want to do the most? You see, that it's not irony. So what I have learned to do is to remove the word can't in my household. I don't tell my kids what they can't do because to some degree, if you think about it, we're, we will be lying when we say there's nothing you can't do and with God, all things are possible, but then you tell them you can't go outside past 12. Oh, yes, I can. So, you know, we don't say, I don't use the word can't. We don't use the word can't. We, we now say, you know what my expectations are you know what I have told you. If you decide to do things opposite of that, there are going to be consequences. It may be too many words, but guess what? They don't do it. You can go ahead and have your short words, problems. 
I'll sit there and have a paragraph and have a sentence because we're now having dialogue. And you're removing the control and you're removing the back and forth, the fighting against that which is inside of us, which is to be right, to be controlled, to, to be independent. These young people right now want to be independent so bad that they're doing it by any means necessary. And it's not always the right way. Those who eat flesh are but eating grains and vegetables at second hand. For the animal receives from these things the nutrition that produces growth. The life that was in the grains and vegetable passes into the eater. We receive it by eating the flesh of the animal. How much better to get it direct by eating the food that God provided for use? Do you know that... The Sunday churches are reading and using Ellen G. White? No, 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 no. I don't mean just a little bit as information. I'm talking about they're using it as their guideline by which to live their life. And not only that, they're reading it from the pulpits. What's that dude that's always smiling? Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen promotes E.G. White's books. Like, it's crazy. Like, from the pulpit, he talks about not, no longer eating pork, telling his congregation to change and stay away from the swine. Yes! And we, as the Adventist people who have the health message, we're running away from it. Remember how I said there's always a parallel and a link? Let's bring it back to the world and our kids. Tell me why my dudes out there that's banging are tired of banging and they want something different. And my kids in the church, these fake cartoon thugs, are trying to be hard and God in the world. Why are we having a reverse here? Like, no, 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 no. I don't know if y'all really understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about my hardcore bangers. So listen, remember, the nature of my job is intensive. So I get these guys that are really, really at the top level. My second year on the job, I was called to this place called The Bottoms. Just the name alone should let you know where I was getting myself involved in. I got called to The Bottoms. It's one way in and one way out. Police don't go there unless they roll deep. Nobody delivers food there, so there's no such thing as Grubhub in that hood. Don't happen. You can't go into that neighborhood unless you're invited there. So me, being an idiot from New York, you know, grew up with all of that stuff. None of that stuff matters to me. And I'm just like, oh, well, you know, I'm oblivious to it. So I go to the bottoms to see my client because my client was there. He was a 16-year-old blood. I didn't know that. And I probably would have went anyway. So we're there, and I hear his story. His mom had five kids with five different fathers. It was about, yeah, five kids with five different fathers. And he was angry to the 10th degree, like one of the most angry kids I've ever come across, which is why he needed something or felt like he needed something, so he turned to the gangs. So I roll up on his yard, and, you know, there's a lot of language that's happening, and we speak by virtue of words spoken, but also body language. And if you're from the, street, the streets, there's less words spoken and more body language that talks. So when I walked up on him, he, he stayed where he was, maybe about 20 feet from me, but he crossed his hands in front of him and just, did, just rolled back. 
What is he telling me right now? Don't come no closer. Step off. Leave. So the story and the history of this young man was that he had fought or ran everybody away that ever tried to help. So what he would do would put up a wall and fight them on purpose to test them because he's been rejected by so many people in his life that we talked about hurt people hurt people. So he was hurting other people to see if you were resilient enough and if you were the real deal and if you would stay or leave like everybody else. What makes you special? So he always put people through the test and everybody failed. So fast forward, long story short, his mom and his aunt were sitting on the porch while we're trying to have a conversation. So much happened in that two hour space. One of the conversations, other than him telling me to leave without actually saying leave, his parents were sagging and he had a wife beater on and his drawers were showing. So I was like, yo bro, you know, no disrespect, but do you know the history behind sagging pants? And he was like, nah, none of that don't matter. You guys know the history of sagging pants? You know that when you sag your pants, it came from the prison system when you were letting another man know that you wanted access. I'll just leave it there without giving more details. But that was a sign to, to tell the other prison inmates that I'm ready. Do you know that sagging, spelled backwards, is niggas? Yeah, there's history. We're not even going to talk about the wife beater. We're not even going to go there. But yeah, there's history. So I'm trying to educate the brother to let him know, you know, just, just be different, you know what I'm saying, whatever. The more I spoke, the more he started to roll up on me. Because he was offended now. It's like, all right. So I just stood where I was. And then he came closer as, you know, he just got more and more angry. And he's a known fighter in the hood. And his parents told, his aunt and his mom told me what to expect before I even got there. And, you know, I was just like, yo, no, no disrespect. Once he started coming really, really close, I was like, yo, no disrespect. I don't know you and you don't know me. And he's just like, you know, just really, really aggressive. And I told him, Mike Tyson didn't lose his first fight until he went to jail, which is a fact. Out on the streets, nobody, everybody was scared of him, everybody fought him, and, you know, he always won. But when he was in prison, people who are not even known was beating his behind. So I was just letting him know, you don't know me, I don't know you, I'm respecting you, respect my space. And he just kept coming on. Long story short, I looked over to his mom and his aunt, they threw their hands up, was like, I told you, this is what I deal with. So I had a decision to make. Am I going to be one of them dudes that run out of his life like he expected? Because again, hurt people hurt people. So he was trying to disrespect me because he's used to people just bouncing. Took my shades off, dropped back in my stance, and I was like, all right, let's go. I could have died that day. I could have died that day. But then again, remember my job. Remember my purpose. Remember my upbringing. So I was shaped for this because I never had a one-on-one -on -one fight. I always got jumped, never in my life. So one dude was lightweight. 
So God was preparing me for my childhood for situations like this that I didn't even know. And I didn't want this. I didn't go in there with the intention, but the young brother is coming up to me to try to, you know, say, you're in my space now. Before we were cool, let's have a conversation. I respect you, you respect me. But when you're coming up on my space, and remember, I had come out my car because I knew who he was. All he had to do was make a call, and to your point, I would have lost my life. Ooh, ooh, whatever the gang, gang calls, whatever. But I had my car behind me, so I couldn't go anywhere anyway. So I was stuck between him and my vehicle. So I looked over to his parents. His, his parents gave me the go, go ahead and be like, bro, handle it. So we did. But I didn't, I didn't want to hurt him, nor did I want to disrespect him, because he would have definitely wanted to retaliate. So while he was swinging at me, I was just slapping him. So I hit him with open hands just to let him know, bro, I could have got you. So I'm softening him up. I'm just like, yo, listen, listen, I don't want this. You don't want this. But we're having conversation. Because remember, in the streets, there's not much time for this. So we're having conversation. And he understands the conversation that's being had right now. So while we're in a seemingly violent situation, there's communication that's being had. There's communication. I could have got you. There's communication. So long story short, to this day, and remember that was year one, 16 years later, he and I are still very, very close. Three kids later, he ended up getting hemmed up because he robbed a pizza man with a sawed-off shotgun. And you know, when you saw off your gun, that's more time to it and more heinous crimes that they threw on him. But guess what? It wasn't even him that did it. He took the rap for his, up, for his OG. He didn't do it. He robbed, they robbed the pizza man. The pizza man saw the dude that did it, told the judge it wasn't him, but he took the bid for his OG. It's one of those situations. That's what it's like out there in the streets, y'all. That's what's happening. And these are some of the things that we have to try to help our young people to understand. It's not that serious. But again, the music, because he also wanted to be a rapper. The music, he also wanted to make a name for himself, and he couldn't be known as the soft rapper or, or a nice guy or a positive rapper. He wanted to have an image and a name for himself. Later on, of course, he divulged this information to me as we got close, but it's all this music stuff. So back into the appetite, all right? The effects of a flesh diet may not be immediately realized, but this is no evidence uh, this is no evidence that it is not harmful. Few can be made um, to believe that it is the meat they have eaten which has poisoned their blood and caused their suffering. Many die of diseases wholly due to meat eating, while the real cause is not suspected by themselves or by others. One study in the 1990s was the South Cumbria Alternative Sentencing Option, which achieved spectacular results by changing the diets of troubled young people. Talk about mental health and how all of this ties in, right? Its scientific advisor, chemist Professor Derek, was emphatic that defective diets actually altered the chemistry of the brain and could cause loss of control. Contrary to what is taught in medical schools, he said, severe dietary deficiencies exist widely among the general population, and these factors particularly influence brain function. After 50 years of intensive farming, in which traditional farming methods have been legal, largely replaced by monoculture and reliance on chemicals, there has been a steady decline in the nutrition 
nutrition content of soil and the food grown in it. One of the major um, loses, one of the major losses is zinc. All right, so there's been a lot of studies that links diet to aggression. Diet to aggression. Um, so much so that I've had kids and clients on my caseload that were angry, fighting teachers, physically, literally, come to find out that they were backed up. So they were, yeah, they're colons, they were backed up. But from the foods and the things that they ate, they just needed to have a good old-fashioned washout. And, 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 and it would have taken care of the problem. And they actually did. They were forced. They didn't want to do it. They were forced to do it. And it literally changed the whole dynamic. Just imagine if you backed up how mad that would make you. You can't go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It seems so similar, so small and so subtle. But you go ahead and stop yourself from going to the bathroom for a week. Just squeeze. Just, ah, just keep it in. <laughs> Try that thing for one. Try that thing for one week. And then come to church on Sabbath. See what happened to you. <laughs> see if you don't get excommunicated from the church. <laughs> that stuff will make you mad, boy. So literally, this happened, right? It's 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 important. Sense um, and smell. So now let's go to touch. Genesis three three. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The things that my soul refused to touch are as sorrowful meat. So, let me share. I always like to share some stories with you, some real stories. So, again, my caseload is extremely, extremely sensitive. I had a young man, talking about taste, that decided that it would be fun. I, honestly, I don't know what he decided. I don't know what was going on. But he made the decision to put razor blades in candy and hand it out to kids. Ten years old. Ten years old. Clearly a kid took the candy, bit in it, and tore up his entire mouth. He was charged with a felony at 10 years old. Mental health. I don't know if it was a joke that went wrong. He still denies it up to this day. This was one of my kids about five years ago. But he was charged nonetheless. These are some of the subtle things that's happening that, and during this time of Halloween, that's why I brought it up specifically. I caution you guys, if you plan on going trick-or-treating, which I don't promote, I suggest you stay home and go buy your own. But be very, very careful with receiving foods from anyone, regardless of who it is. All right? I'm just, just putting it out there. So we're talking about touch. So now let's go on to speech. Passionate words a species of swearing. Among the members of many families, there is practice the habit of saying loosely careless things and the habit of tantalizing or speaking harsh words becomes stronger and stronger as it is indulged. And thus many objectionable words are spoken 
to our, um, that are after Satan's order and not after the order of God. Burning words of passion should never be spoken, for in the sight of God and the holy angels, they are as species of swearing. Speech, gossip, and tail-bearing. We don't have gossip issues in this church, right? No, that doesn't exist. <laughs> we think with horror of the cannibal who feasts on the still warm and trembling flesh of his victim. But are the results are of even this practice more terrible than are the agony and ruin caused by misrepresentation, uh, representing motives, blackening reputations, dissecting character? Let the children and the youth as well learn what God says about these things. Death and life are in the power of the what? What does that mean? Yes. You can literally speak destruction or speak life. And that goes from the top down. When we as adults get angry, you have to be very careful of what you say. And it's not just what you say, how you say it. Remember, remember, trauma and hurt and pain is never the result of intent, but always the result of reception how you receive it. You can tell someone something in the most kind-hearted or thoughtful manner, but how you say it could determine whether they receive it or reject it. So who cares about your intention when you're hurt? They want to know that you meant what you said, and they need to feel that thing. So you have to be very careful. Timing, tone, all of that stuff matters. All of that stuff matters. You would definitely and always should check yourself before you approach anyone and find out the spirit that you're going in. Malice, anger, what's happening? The Bible even says, do not spank your child in anger because all of that energy, negative energy, will come out in your discipline and you will end up hurting more than helping. Spanking is supposed to be a way for reproof. Much like the jail system was supposed to be intended for, it was supposed to be therapeutic. It was supposed to be to try to help change behaviors around, but they realized how much money could be made and who could be the ones making the money, black and brown people. So it quickly turned, and now it's privatized. So for the most part, you can come together as a, as a bunch of families or people and say, you know what, let's go build or buy a jail, and you can do that, regardless of what the intent or the purpose is. It's very, very dangerous. The spirit of gossip and tail-bearing is one of Satan's special agencies to sow discord and strife, to separate friends, and to undermine the faith of many in the truthfulness of our positions. It is extremely important that we must guard the avenues because the, the, the senses are the ways by which Satan uses to creep into our spirits. And again, it is important to know that you must, you must allow him permission. So don't think that he's reading your mind or Satan made me do it. That's one of the first things that I hear a lot of the times, especially for my older folks, believe it or not. Oh, look what Satan made me do. Sometimes we get mad at the kids. Oh, look at what you made me do. No, nobody can make you do anything. You have a choice. 
And your behaviors, and again, your patterns on how you carry yourself determine what happened and how you respond. So over this weekend, we've been talking about mental health and how serious mental health is and taking time for self. It is impossible for you to help someone else until you first help yourself, which is why you're supposed to always check yourself realize where you are, what space are you in, and if you're not in a good space, don't approach. Because the opposite intent could oftentimes come through. We want to make sure that you are aware of where you are. If I have $100 in my bank account and someone asks me for $1,000, I can't give it. But some of us want to act like we, are, we can and we want to fake and we want to try to do the most or sometimes even impress. So we go into withdrawal just to try to make it seem like we have. The same holds true with your presentation and your limits. Know your limits. I am not a preacher, so I came here with a whole different presentation, and I just wanted to teach you guys and inform, because I know my role. To some, he gives the gift of preaching, to some teaching, to some prophesying, to some speaking in tongues. That is not me. I know my gifts, and I stay in my lane. Many of us need to know where are your strengths. I don't have a job. I have a career that is my passion that pays. Find out who you are. Find out what that thing is that God has created you to do. Find out all those things that really, really make you happy. If you would do this one thing every single day without pay and love it still just as much, that's probably your purpose. That's probably your passion. That is probably where you should align yourself with. All of this sounds trivial, but it ties into your mental health. When I wake up in the morning, I don't say, oh my gosh, I got to go to work. I ask God, how many people do you want me to help today? It is not a job. I'm literally getting paid to be a Christian. Like, this is crazy. I would talk to you if you asked. I will pray for you if you asked. And I do physical health as well. I'm a trainer. I would definitely tell you how to keep your body intact. I mean, I'm 47. I just look like this. Amen. You, them amens better be louder. Come on now. <laughs> but I say that to say, you know, because from a young age... I knew who I was, and I knew who I wasn't. So I wasn't that dude. I struggled, of course, when I was younger because my mind clearly wasn't there. Does anyone know now what the new studies have saying, the age where our brain fully becomes developed? Do you know what it is now? What is it? Not, not quite 30. 25, 26. When I was younger, they said it was 18. At 18, your brain is developed and you're an adult. Throughout school, it changed to 21. Now, within the past couple of years, they're saying the age of 25, 26. So all this time, we're treating these babies as if they're supposed to be grown and know stuff when they, they're not, they haven't arrived yet. And some of them, on top of not being of age where the brain has fully developed, they have undiagnosed mental health issues. 
because of a number of reasons that we're going to talk about later. For later on, we're going to, at 1 o'clock, we're going to have a lunch and learn. So we're going to sit down, we're just going to rap. We're just going to talk while we're eating together. You can ask questions, we can just dissect some things, we just have a dialogue. But at 3.30, we're going to talk about the hell that I created is the hell that I'm trying to avoid. Hell meaning H, hereditary, E, environment, L, lifestyle, and the other L, learned. Are we going to get deep? Because you can't look at a child and say, oh, that child is bad. Guess what? He came from you. So this is a reflection of you. And the child that you have the greatest difficulty with is the one that's most like you. So you are literally seeing yourself and you hate what you see. So you're mad at the child and take it out on the child when you're supposed to be mad at yourself for what you did and didn't do. So what do you do? You end up doing two things. You try to stop them, preventing them from making the mistakes that you made. Or you see the mistakes that they're doing and it looks just like you and you hate it so much and you get mad. Oh, I'm about to talk about y'all today. Y'all made the mistake. Y'all invited the wrong one. Online, I'm sorry, y'all. They about to get it. They're going to catch it today, y'all. So that is what it is. We're really going in. You cannot sit here and blame these babies, even those that are not yours. When a child is running around in the church, yes, they are not behaving like how they should or what you like them to do, but have a conversation. Talk to them. They might be backed up. They just got to get a good boo-boo on or something. <laughs> something. Have a conversation. Just, just, I mean, and I'm, I make light of it, but literally sometimes it's the smallest thing. I didn't eat breakfast. I got a biscuit in my pocket. Come on, have this. The smallest things. And remember, we talked about cartoons as being the number one promoter of violence. So it is not seemingly some of these other things that they're watching. Yes, we don't agree to what it is, but the things that you be like, okay, you can't watch this, but you can watch Tom and Jerry, not even realizing that you're feeding into that violent appetite. So you have to be extremely careful. And again, you can't hold someone accountable for what they don't know. You cannot hold someone accountable for what they do not know. That is not responsible, and it is not of God. So saints, let's keep it 100. Let's be real with yourselves first. Know yourself. Know your limits. Accept it. The three steps, acknowledge, accept, and then act. Acknowledge the fact that there might just be something wrong. Acknowledge the fact that there might be a problem. You're not saying, oh, it's me. You're not saying it's you. You're just acknowledging something is wrong. Then you accept the fact that you might have something to do with it. You might be a contributing factor to what's going on. And this holds, holds true to parents and kids when you can't get that along. You and your boss, when you can't find that connection, acknowledge, accept, and then act. What are you willing to do? What are you going to do to change it so that you can have a different outcome? All right, so that is um, my presentation, guys. I hope that you guys learned something because that was my, my goal and my mission. And I will see you guys later on this afternoon. We are so blessed. Um, when I originally met uh, Brother Ray Gray, it was through some friends of mine out of Atlanta, and I watched the presentation that you did, and I was so impressed, and I was like, nope, got to get him in Florida, got to get him in Florida. Uh, you have been a blessing to us, and I forgot 
but I'll take care of that. I have a presentation to give you. Um, I am so glad for those who were able to be with us uh, physically, and I'm blessed for those who are online. We're going to now have Holy Hands come and give us a presentation. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. When you become a believer, your spirit is made right. But sometimes, the soul doesn't get the notice. It has a hole in it due to things that's happened in the past. Hurt, abuse, molestation. But we want to speak to you today and tell you that God wants to heal the hole in your soul. Some people's actions are not because their spirit is wrong, but it's because the past has left a hole in their soul. May this wisdom help you get over your past and remind you that God wants to heal the hole in your soul. I have my sister Leandria here. She's going to help me share this wisdom and tell this story. Cause all I seem to do is hurt me Hurt me Yeah, we 
wicked ways I will hear from heaven Break it on down So it is It is so Amen Now when we pray We want to end that with a declaration, a decree So I'm speaking for all of you listening Starting here, starting now The things that hurt you in the past Won't control your future Starting now This is a new day This is your exodus You are officially released Now sing it for me, Leandria Yeah. 